Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your host, Tim. And Shannon. It's opinion, fact, information, and your alert system. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. And welcome to Right Spokane Perspective. On this Foundations of Israel Friday episode, we're going to be going a little further up the foundation from that first brick that was placed. And God created those foundations. We're going to be talking with Darren Wold about where those foundations have led us. We did talk about that on yesterday's show of uh, the prophecies that came true about all the aspects uh, surrounding Israel and its creation. And we're going to talk about what's going on now with Israel. So we'll do that after inspiration. Our inspiration today is small but great. Will I make the Olympics? The college swimmer worried her speed was too slow. But when math professor Ken Ono studied her swim techniques, he saw how to improve her time by six full seconds, a substantial difference at that level of competition. Attaching sensors to the swimmer's back, he didn't identify major changes to improve her time. Instead, Ono identified tiny corrective actions that, if applied, could make the swimmer more efficient in the water, making the winning difference. Small corrective actions in spiritual manners can make a big difference for us too. The prophet Zechariah taught of a similar principle to a remnant of discouraged Jews struggling along with their builder, Zerubbabel, to rebuild God's temple after their exile. But not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, the Lord Almighty told Zerubbabel. As Zechariah declared, who dares despise the day of small things? The exiles had worried that the temple wouldn't match the one built during King Solomon's reign. Just as Ono's swimmer made the Olympics, winning a medal after surrendering to small corrections, Zerubbabel's band of builders learned that even a small, right effort made with God's help can bring victorious joy if our small acts glorify him. In him, small becomes great. Heavenly Father, point us to the small, good actions that can make a big difference for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there are a lot of small actions that have led us to a place where large actions and large things are happening sometimes with the power of God and sometimes with the arrogant power of men. And we're going to talk about that with Darren Wold today, where, you know, we've denied so many things in the world that even science and archaeology and things have proven. I I was remembering a discussion about uh, mammals that have fins that face a certain way in the ocean versus other fish and how that occurred. And it's amazing the truths that we start to learn and recognize, and then we just ignore it all because we think we have a better way. When we look at what's going on in the world and, you know, this this stuff going on with Israel, we have a world now that's wanting to pretend to be borderless. We're teaching the children to be global citizens instead of citizens of the country that's supposed to protect their rights, their freedoms, especially their religious freedoms. And there are countries that have different religions and they have borders so that all of those freedoms for those peoples can be secured. We're seeing the erosion of that in the United States, 
but a place we're really seeing erosion of it because most of the world's not caring about the borders of the United States, but they're really interested on what's going on in the Middle East. We see riots in our country. We see people going on marches to uh, create a state or continue the existence of a state that they think is a state that's never been a state of Palestine. And there's some interesting things happening at the same time. So, Darren, jump into this conversation because I think there's some little things that are going on, like an in inspiration that are becoming big things. All right, Tim. So uh, if you guys have uh, heard of red heifers be before uh, in the Bible, the significance of a red heifer uh, was made clear. Uh, Moses, I believe in Leviticus, describes it, that the red heifer was needed uh, to sanctify and to ceremonially cleanse uh, the objects that were used in the temple. Uh, for sacrifice. And so to do that, you would have to sacrifice a red heifer, and then you would take the ashes, put them in water, and then that water mixed with those ashes is what you'd use to ceremonially clean all these objects, whether it would be the hooks or the, or the pans or the bowls or the spoons, any of these things that were used in the temple. Now, it's kind of interesting, too, because ash, there's certain elements of ash, like, uh, and I've forgotten this, I know it's weird to talk about this in the show, but you know, we've been heating the house a little bit because it got so cold because of that Arctic blast that we talked about on yesterday's show. I need to save some of those ashes for the chickens for the chicken coop because they use it, you know, to cleanse themselves. And ash is used uh, in lots of areas of our um, world to cleanse things, right? Yes, it is. Um, most, most places you'll find people making uh, soap with, with ash lye, animal fat, some of these products you mix together and you can actually make a soap out of it. Um, I don't know the rest of anything they were adding. I just know that you had the ashes of the red heifer that were significant. So this is the cleansing agent out of Leviticus, yep. the book of Leviticus and mm -hmm. the Holy Bible, that were going to be used to cleanse all of the instrumental tools in Used the in the sacrifice of animals for the... Um, Not in the tabernacle, the temple. In the temple. Me. I think I'm getting ahead of us here. And that's all right. We'll get to that. Um, but used in the temple for the sacrificing of these animals that were used to um, absolve sin back in the Old Testament. And this is before, obviously, Jesus shows up, makes his once and for all sacrifice at the cross that takes away all that, that we don't have to have this bloody mess of a butcher shop trying to get rid of sin. No, he did it once and for all to cross. But the significance is we have still Jews in Israel that believe that they want to get this temple built. They want to be able to start sacrificing, having the daily sacrifice of animals. Well, and there's um, organizations that are, have been put together. I think we've talked about it on the show with you before about rebuilding the temple. I mean, there, there's a website you can go to to donate to that effort. I believe it's called the Temple Institute, and the Temple Institute has every item uh, that will be needed uh, to start the sacrificing, uh, the daily sacrifice of animals again in the temple. In fact, they have everything they need to build the temple, down to the actual robes that the the priests and high priests will wear in in that, and they've even located all those people using um, uh, genealogy studies and DNA studies to find out who, which of these people are Levites, and which of these people uh, can be high priests and priests. So th this is an ongoing thing, and, and that, that has a lot to do with the Jewish religion too, because the sacrificing of animals for cleansing for the Christians that believe Jesus was the Messiah, which is mm -hmm. not part of the Jewish religion. Um, we don't have to sacrifice the animals, but because the Jewish religion is, that's almost like part of the prophecy that makes it so profound that 
Jesus came, you have religion, what, uh, billions of people that believe that Jesus Christ the Messiah, you no longer have to sacrifice an animal. You just have to beg for forgiveness, ask for forgiveness, love Jesus, right? But you still have the Jewish religion that is still working to fulfill prophecy out of the Old Testament. Yes. they. Uh, it, it's funny because I don't understand exactly how um, a Jew who believes in the Old Testament could read those 300-some prophecies out of the Old Testament that predict their coming Messiah exactly when he showed up, where he showed up, what he would do, how he would live, and how he would die. And it exactly matches Jesus Christ every step of the way. And there's over 300. So it's, it's, so it's like you said, it's almost it's hard to recognize how does the Jewish religion not recognize Jesus as the Messiah, but it also is required for them not to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, for them to carry out the rest of the prophecy. Yeah, the, for where they're going to go with it, they, yeah. If you if you recognize Jesus as the Messiah, then you're obviously going to become what you and I would call a Christian and believe in Christ. And but if you did that, if, all the, if the Jewish nation did that, then they wouldn't be trying to rebuild the temple and have right. the red heifers, right? Exactly. So they're fulfilling their religious difference between the Christian religions. Mm-hmm. Um, is required for the rest of the prophecy to be fulfilled. Yeah, it, 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 God already saw this. He knew this was coming. And I guess where I'm going is, you know, we here we get these these five red heifers from the United States, by the way, um, that uh, I believe it was a Texas rancher that brought them over. God bless Texas. Oh, you know, just, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, and, God bless the United States of America, too. But, you know, God God bless all peoples that believe yeah. in him, right? Um. And this is the first time in 1900 years we've this had... This is not an advertisement for the American rancher, just, no, you know. No, 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 no. 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 But <laughs> he did it. Yeah. Um, and and the significant point is there hasn't been a red heifer in, in uh, Israel for 1900 years, or just over 1900 years. Um, and since that time, we obviously, if you can't have a red heifer, you could never ceremonially clean things to even start the animal sacrifices again. In their eyes, this is how it has to happen. Well, the interesting thing, you got five brought over, I think it was this fall, and uh, by the way, there's a coincidence there that, isn't it interesting that, that I think they were brought over summer or fall, and the, the Arabs found out and got inflamed instantly. And then we had this attack on October 7th, and it was premature. It wasn't supposed to happen for six or seven months later when everybody was going to try to attack. And or So you've got a big upheaval. They attack Israel, and now you've got this war going on where Israel's trying to take out Hamas um, and wipe them out and get them, you know, get everybody safe again where they can actually live in their homes and not worry about being killed, raped, beheaded, and murdered in their own homes um, from these horrible, evil, awful beings. Um, it was amazing, the acts that occurred on that Oh, it just, uh, to the point where after you see a couple of the pictures and the videos and, and you hear the descriptions from the soldiers themselves, what they've come across when they found the homes, you're just sick. You're just like, these guys make the Nazis look good. They're, they're horrifying. It's, it's evil. Well, we got these five red heifers. They show up, and, uh, you know, they've got to stay ceremonially clean. They can't have any defects. And as of January, I think there's four of the five that are still eligible. And now, as of January, I think they're of age now. 
which is interesting. So they got to be of age. They got to be ceremonially clean still. They couldn't have had any. Uh, there's only a certain amount of white or black hairs that can appear on this cow and, and still make it eligible. So apparently as of January, we still had four available. The interesting thing is there's a couple of Jewish festivals coming up that would be a high time for them to sacrifice one of these heifers on the Mount of Olives in in Jerusalem. But they um, don't have a temple. Don't they have to do the No, they don't. The they just need an altar. And they need an altar that is made of stone that is not cut with man's hand. Isn't there one there already? You can put one of those up pretty quick. It's just a bunch. In other words, pile up a bunch of rocks that are just round rocks that are or flat rocks that God, you know, in other words, that God made because it's just sitting out there. And then you do your sacrifice on that. Then they would have the ashes of the red heifer. And this is where it gets really interesting. They don't actually need to have the temple to start animal sacrifices. Well, wasn't there a meeting place prior to the temple being built? Yeah. If you guys remember your Old Testament with Moses, he had no temple, but he carried a portable one around. It was called the tabernacle. The tabernacle. Yes, it was a tent. Kind of, kind of like our Holy Bible. We've, we've got, uh, you know, words from the scrolls. We've got words from uh, the Ten Commandments. We don't have to carry the stones with us. Some other <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Got it in the, in the written word. Well, the tabernacle itself is just a tent, and they already have it built. They already have it all together, so all they got to do is set it up. So at their choosing, if they get the ashes of the red heifer, they could be setting up the tabernacle on the Mount of Olives or wherever they want. And then they could begin animal sacrifices because they'd have the ashes of the red heifer to ceremony cleanse everything. So you already got all those things put in place. The, the, the Temple Institute, you said it was? Temple Institute. You can look it up yourself. Temple they, Institute. They got these. This is, so this is done. not some wild conspiracy no, theory. No, this is already. <laughs> Come, comes out of the Bible. You have the, the, the Jewish religion has mm-hmm. been working on this. And, and I think it's kind of one side of the Jewish religion. There's, there's, we, we look at, you have factions, and they exist everywhere. Yep. And I think that the Jewish nation has those factions as well. And so there is a large group of Jews that have been working on this for a very, very long time. So again, Temple Institute, if you folks want to look it up, this is not um, you know just made up in this studio. This is something that Darren's been researching very in-depth. If you heard yesterday's show, he's been researching it from the foundations and beginning of Israel. So we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back with Darren Wold. We're going to be talking about more things having to do with this tabernacle. And um, you know, maybe we're This is also being discussed, not just in this studio, but in other places in uh, very key locations in the world. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are only on the air and podcast because you support this program. You, the listeners, we are listener-supported. Keep us on the air to keep all these interviews and shows going. Please go to rightspokaneperspective.com. There's a donate button there. Or you can send your donation to Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, P.O. Box 7620-99207. Thanks, and back to the show. And welcome back to Right Spokane Perspective. We are in the middle of a very interesting conversation with Darren Wold talking about, uh, you know, the foundations of Israel up to where we are today. We, we left the conversation at the half talking about the red heifers and uh, the, the timing of all of this that's going on, the things going on in the world. And, and it seems like the world's disillusioned by this phenomenon of prophecy. It, it's like we're at war with God in the, in the nations, you know, the United Nations, all the things that are going on to go against Israel when 
decades past, it was a no-no to go against the state of Israel. And uh, that's why it was created all the way back in 1948 was because they were fulfilling prophecy. And now we have the Jewish nation looking to fulfill prophecy again. Yes, we do. Um, Tim, it's amazing. So you think about this, we've got these red heifers over there. They know that uh, now that they're of age, they can sacrifice these, one of these animals. Um, And with four of them still remaining eligible, um, I think there's a pretty good chance that here come this spring, maybe as early as Passover, Easter, you're going to see an altar put together on possibly the Mount of Olives. And they would take one of those animals up there and sacrifice it so they could gain the ashes, so they could then start the purification rites of the temple uh, artifacts and pieces. And instead of building the temple, because there's some problems with that politically, um, they have a tabernacle. They have all of it. They have all of the pieces they need to put that tabernacle up. And then with the ashes of the red heifer, they can start daily sacrifices. They can start sacrificing animals again. Now, there's discussion about this going on. This is not just what we're talking about here in the studio. This is coming from like the uh, the Tabernacle Institute, right? Yes, Tabernacle Institute. In fact, uh, the other one, if if you're interested in a local source here in the United States, uh, Prophecy Watchers has done a great little set of uh, interviews um, talking about the red heifer and uh, the impact and the importance it would place. You know, we as Christians, we know that our our sacrifice was made at the cross. By Jesus. His death absolved us of all sin. All we have to do is accept that gift that he gave us. We don't, we don't ever need an animal's blood to cleanse us of our sin because Jesus did that once and for all at the cross. We just have to accept it. When we're looking at these Orthodox Jews, they're still in the mindset of the Old, the Old Testament, the the animal sacrifices that have to happen in order to absolve you of your sins. And they can't wait to restart this. Um, They know how it has to happen. They know about who can be the Levites, the priests. They have all this written down. They have everything ready. They either need permission to go up on the Temple Mount and build it, or they need a red heifer to get the ashes and set up their tabernacle somewhere else where they can then start the daily sacrifice. Can it be somewhere else? Yeah, it can. It doesn't have to be on the Temple Mount. That's where the temple has to be rebuilt, but that doesn't mean that's where the tabernacle has to be put up. Oh, that's right, because the tabernacle, even when it was originally used, was mobile. Yeah, they picked it up and moved it, and it went all across the, the desert for 40 years. That was the whole idea, right? Um but the interesting thing, and the reason I, I even bring this up, um, if you start the daily sacrifices, there's an importance to that. And the reason I bring this up is if you read into Revelation, you're going to find out there's this guy that comes on the scene, man with a plan. He's got a seven-year peace treaty that he wants to set up with Israel and their their Arab nations that are all around them, their neighbors. And this guy, he's going to set this seven-year treaty up and allow them even to rebuild their temple. And then about three and a half years into this, he's going to step into that temple and he's going to stop the daily sacrifices. Um, It's called the abomination of desolation. And this is the important part. If he stops the daily sacrifices, they had to have started. Started, yeah. Well, they haven't started yet. So we know we still have time. We're not to that point. But Tim, if in 2024, Israel starts daily sacrifices in a tabernacle, hmm, 
how much closer are we to someone stepping on the scene and stopping them? Right. Well, and then uh, obviously because of those kinds of actions and looking at the world politically and how people feel about the things that are going on, not even knowing or paying attention to these other things going on in the background to fulfill prophecy, I think the seven years of peace would end three and a half to four years after because uh, there's going to be other neighbors in those uh, treaties that don't agree with uh, prophecies being fulfilled. Oh, yeah, there, there's a big deal with that. And, you know, you can even throw the Ezekiel 38, 39 conflict in there um, because of what's going on in Israel right now with the um, the rooting out and destruction of Hamas in Gaza. Um, if they can continue that process and completely route them out and then take care of Hezbollah to the north and Lebanon, there's a good chance that for the first time in Israel's history, they could actually kind of be at peace. And that means uh, once you get to that point where they're living in peace because they don't have somebody right next door that wants to run across the border and murder and kill and rape them, um, you could set the stage for that Ezekiel 38, 39 conflict. Because one of the wordings you read in there is that Israel is not concerned about being attacked or destroyed. They're living peacefully, not behind walls or gates. And right now they're behind walls. They're behind gates. They're, mm -hmm. they're living in fear because of their neighbors who are so completely evil and awful and trying to kill them at every step of the way. Once they get that taken care of, I think then you have the possibility of some of these other end times prophecies starting to happen. And uh, I think that's a big step there. Well, it seems like we're, we're moving into an era and we had peace in the middle East was breaking out under the past administration yes, in the yes. United States. Mm -hmm. There was the Abram Accords kind of interesting. Wasn't Abram and then Abraham. Yeah. I think that happened in the Bible. So we had the Abram Accords. There was peace breaking out in the middle East. That's actually I use that term because it actually comes from some of the commentators that I listen to that are Orthodox Jews. Yeah. And so it's, it's kind of interesting to, to see all that unfold, but now what we have is not peace. And there's actually about a three and a half year time period from when the peace broke out to where now it's not, which is kind <laughs> of an interesting correlation, maybe not part of the prophecy, but it's just what happened. Peace is, is no longer the case. And in fact, now we have, other nations that are having, even though they didn't want to be at war in Middle Eastern countries or with uh, the Muslim faiths or states that have the Muslim faith as a majority religion, everybody backed off. Well, there's trouble in Europe. There's trouble with shipping lanes. There's trouble in lots of other places in the world with, it's basically a religious war being waged right now. We don't want to recognize it. They go, oh, it's commerce. It's this, it's, you know, statehood. It's, uh, there's a, it's uh, uh, pretty much religious. Yep. You've, you've got this popping up everywhere and a combination of these different bad actors that seem to all be taking their orders from Iran. Iran seems to be the one that's controlling all the puppets, the proxies, whether it's Hezbollah in the North and Lebanon, whether it's Hamas in Gaza, um, uh, Islamic Jihad, or clear down with the Houthis down there in Yemen. Um, there's lots of bad actors. They're all proxies of Iran. They're all trying to destroy Israel. They're all trying to kill as many Jews as possible. And they even outright stated that they want to destroy the little Satan, Israel, and then the big Satan, the United States, which you brought up earlier, you know, Israel's got the problem they're dealing with right now, but we have an open border that's bringing in 
military age males mainly from all over the from world. all over the world when including, is it- including China which is at we're at war with it's an opioid war that we just refuse to recognize plus we have Middle Eastern countries yes uh, Afghanistan lots of different places coming yes. to the United States and we have a member of Congress who just in the last week or two told uh, in her foreign language that she would be representing in the halls of Congress and guaranteeing the future of Somalia. I know. Isn't that insane? She actually said that we will protect Somalia. And you're just like, wait, you're in the United States. Don't you think it's more important that we protect the American people? Well, and not only that, (laughs) she must have a very firm religious view of the power that she individually has Mm -hmm. because there's uh, like 435 members of Congress. If you want to do something on the international stage, you're supposed to have all of Congress making that decision, not one Congresswoman who is claiming religious power Mm -hmm. and, and statehood powers from her position in a U.S. state. Yep, that's pretty crazy. For Somalia. That's yeah. pretty crazy. All those things coming together. It's 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 strange. And um, the other strange, so that's, you know, three and a half years difference from where we were at, where <laughs> peace was breaking out. The other strange thing is we also have three and a half minutes left of the show. <laughs> well, let's just put it this way, guys. If, if I had to put a, a, a thing out for people, I would say this is the most exciting time to be alive. We're seeing biblical prophecies fulfilled almost on a daily basis and things happening all around us. Um, And it is our opportunity to know if the time is as short as it may seem, we have got to get out and spread the gospel to all those around us that we come in contact with our, our loved ones that we lived with our family, our neighbors, our, our people we work with um, kids, you people you go to school with whoever you come in contact with, you have the opportunity to spread the gospel of Christ. And this, I hope, would just be one more reason for you to have even more urgency as you go out on your daily life to tell these people about Jesus. And, and Jesus, there, the Bible and, and the Word of God makes, helps bring sense to all of this. So, so the world, we had this discussion earlier, the world is not making sense to people. Like, how can you, how can these things... Open borders, right? You think you're going to have a country with open borders? Uh, you think there's more than two genders? You think, and, and so we had a discussion off air about this where uh, it's it's in the Bible. We talked about the, uh, what was it? The, not the cleansing, but the scorching of conscience. Yeah, the searing of your conscience. The searing so of So the Lord will allow you, when you turn away from him, he will allow you to have a seared conscience so that you can go doing the things that you think you want to do, even though they're horrible, awful, evil things that will actually cause your downfall because you've turned away from him. Well, and that's, so in, in response to that, when we were talking about this, I said, well, we should believe people when they say who they are. And whether it's a congresswoman that's saying she's no longer really going to represent mm-hmm. people of the United States, she's going to represent Somalia, we should believe her. When people say they want the state and they want their activists to control whether your child is a biological gender that mm-hmm. you now believe, and they want to take that child away from you to alter their physical ability to create offspring we should believe them because mm-hmm. their conscience has obviously been seared yep yep it has it, and what you just said how it feels like the world is falling apart i'll posit this to you i don't think the world is falling apart 
as much as biblical prophecy says it is falling into place, just like yeah. the Bible said it would. And the problem with that is for a lot of people, that's horrifying. They're, they're, they're terrified. This is awful. But understand, we win in the end. And the biggest thing, again, that we have on our plate is how many can we get to Jesus and get saved before this place does just completely fall go, apart, go, go <laughs> yeah. to hell. Well, and, and I think that we, we have to realize, and, and that's what makes this make sense, because those with a seared conscience that gain power, that gain influence, the reason why these things don't make sense is because you don't have a seared conscience, and you're saying, uh, wait a minute, where, what, what are we doing now these days? You know, <laughs> and, and so you have a conscience, and you've spread that conscience with having children, having uh, a family in Christ, a, a, a body a, in a church. The things make sense to these folks on how we've lived for generations, generations. Why is all this in upheaval now? Well, the powers of the dark side have gained a foothold in too many places, and it's our time to stand strong against it. And the easiest way to make Satan angry is to reach someone for Christ. That's right. Amen. That being said, we are out of here for today. I'm fired up this Friday, and uh, I guess we got all weekend to find somebody to witness to. We'll be with you folks again on Monday. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Right Spokane Perspective. We are sponsored by Right Spokane Perspective, LLC, and made possible by advertisers you hear and contributions from listeners like you.